Good morning. Good morning. It is such a joy to be with you all for this hour of worship. Welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. Welcome to all of you who are filling our beautiful sanctuary space, as well as those who are joining us through our live stream and on WRR. If you are visiting with us for what is the first time, I want to extend a special word of welcome to you, and I hope that you will join us for fellowship in the atrium just after worship. If you look to our atrium counter, there are members with bright yellow name tags who are eager to welcome you and have a special gift just for you. For all of you who are in our pews, I hope you'll turn to the end of your pew and you'll find a friendship registry pad. It is always good for your pastors and your staff to know who's here so we can continue to grow and support you. Friends, if you will join me today, we have several announcements. Um, today, next Sunday marks the end of our summer schedule. It's hard to believe it is back to school for a lot of us, but note your calendars that next Sunday is the last of our 10 a.m. worship service. And that after that, after Labor Day, we'll go back to four worship services on Sunday as well as our Sunday school programming. So there is something for you and your whole family to enjoy on Sunday. If you have been looking for a way to plug in in a different way at this church, know that we also have a fall table group signups that are just started. This is an opportunity for you to be a part of a small group in our church to join and be a part of an eight-week study that will follow along with our sermon series throughout the fall. So you can find the sign-ups online and you can also sign up in the atrium after worship. Friends, if you look in your pews, we have a card. On one side is a connection card. It's a way for you to let us know what are the other ways that you want to dig deeper in this community of faith. How can we support you? What are the ways you want to serve or teach or learn? And on the other side of the card is a prayer card. It is always a joy and a privilege to pray with and for you. And so we hold those prayers in confidence each week with our pastors. And, and you can fill those out and put those in the offering plates as those come through later in the service. Friends, as part of our ongoing theme, looking at the sacred, ordinary lives, we are focusing today on the gift of thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I'm somebody who pays attention to details, especially when the details tend to not go my way. And so as you pulled in this morning, maybe somebody was in your parking spot. I'm sure somebody's in your pew. <laughs> I'm sure you'll notice that there are little hiccups here and there in the service, and it just kind of digs at us. But I want to invite us today to look through the eyes of God. How does God see us this morning? Is God noticing these small details? Or does God see all of this? All of you gathered here with your beautiful voices, your beautiful faces, your beautiful souls longing and aching for connection, connection with each other, connection with the holy. I think this is what God sees this morning. And I hope as we worship together, we'll give thanks to God for seeing us in this honest and true way. So friends, let us join together and worship holy God.
Please join me in the call to worship, in sleeping and in waking, God is present, in eating and in playing, God is present, in losing keys, reading a book and sitting in traffic, God is present, as we gather for worship, God is present,
Confident in God's grace, let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Creator God, in creating each one of us, you give us unique bodies and personalities and different gifts and talents. Forgive us for the times when we have denied our gifts or sought to alter our bodies or our personalities to conform to societal norms. Forgive us for acting in authentically and for preparing ourselves to others rather than rejoicing in who we are. Remind us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and help us to give thanks for our uniqueness. Amen. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. together. everybody. Oh, it is so good to see such a crowded space with all of you this morning. Well, today we're talking about giving thanks to God. Not only just giving thanks to God for all the things that God gives us, but giving thanks to God for making us exactly 
the way that we are. I don't know about you, but there are some days that I want to change some things about myself or the world around me. Some days I wish I was a little bit taller or I could work a little bit faster. I wish I had nicer, shinier things like a better car and a bigger house. What are some things that you might have wished for sometimes to change about yourself or maybe the things that you have? want to live somewhere else? <laughs> A Nintendo Switch? Cool. What else? A lot of what? Gyms? Yeah, are your parents taking notes here? Yeah. An iPhone XR? Me too. Put me in line for that. What else? A Nintendo... That's a lot of things. I, well, well we, we can keep making a list, I'm sure, all day. Um, but there's a lot of things that we can think about, the things that we want to change about ourselves. So this week, our staff, which is all the people who work at this church, we got together and we put a little pause on our work for one day, and we decided to take today to get to know each other better. And during that day, we talked about the different gifts that we bring to the church and it's not usually the gifts that you can see on the outside, but the gifts that God has put inside of us. And so our different church members wrote these different things, like encourager, being friendly. One of our church staff person is super thoughtful. Another one is creative. And another one has great compassion. And I thought this was such a fun activity because it really helped us to get to know ourselves and get to know each other. And in our Bible story this morning, we're going to hear about how God sees us in that way. How we as humans tend to see ourselves as what's on the outside, but God sees what's on the inside. And these are the types of things that are on our insides. And so I hope you can think this week about the types of things on your inside that you can bring into this world that God has given you, and to give thanks for that. Will you all pray with me? Let us pray together. Holy God, you love all of us. Thank you for making us. To be, kind, to be kind, to be thoughtful, to be creative. Help us to see others in the, in the same way. With thanksgiving we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can go back to your seat.
friends, as we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray together. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Breathe life into these ancient words that we might be filled with the wisdom that points us always to you. Awaken us to who we truly are. Beloved people created by you, called by you, and unconditionally loved by you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're in the home stretch of our summer series, Our Sacred Ordinary Lives. We've been looking uh, this whole summer at how the ordinary moments of our lives are indeed holy and sacred. And today uh, we're, we're going to look at comparison. And the flip side of comparison is joy. Um, I was thinking about changing the topic because I know in Dallas comparison's not a big thing for us. You know, I was thinking maybe it was more appropriate if I preached it in Fort Worth and maybe it would be okay for them. But no, we're going to, we're going to, we need to look at comparison. And so we're going to uh, turn to First uh, Samuel this morning and we're going to look at the call of David. So if you want, uh, turn with me to the 16th chapter of the book of First Samuel. We're going to read the first seven verses. Listen for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? I've rejected him from being the king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Hover here. Hover here just as you hovered over the waters of creation, O God. 
remind us that you hover in this very sanctuary just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words that they would be your word to us here and now. And breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So for many of us this week, it was the first week of school. Others of us, uh, school is going to start this coming week. It got me thinking, I used to love the very first week of school when I was a kid. It wasn't so much the school part. It was more uh, that I got to see my friends again after a summer break. It meant that uh, sports practices started. But I got to tell you, my favorite part of the first week of school was finally getting to wear the brand new sneakers that, that my mom bought for me earlier in the summer. I loved uh, taking them out of the box and lacing them up and putting them on. And I loved the first day of school because my friends and I, we would all compare which shoes we had convinced our parents to buy for us. We would tell tales of how we had really had to put the hard sell on our moms, typically, to buy that new pair of Air Force Ones or Jordans or I'm going to go real, real old school here, or the Reebok pumps. Do you all remember those? <laughs> With the little basketball on the front, you could pump it up and then hit the little release valve. <laughs> we were always in awe of the kid in our friend circle who had actually convinced their parents to buy them the Air Jordans. I mean, I grew up in South Carolina. We were a modest people. That was a lot of money to spend on a pair of shoes. And so we looked upon that one special kid with holy envy that he actually got to be like Mike. <laughs> By now, we all know the prophetic Teddy, Vo Teddy Roosevelt quote. Comparison is the thief of joy. I say prophetic because Teddy Roosevelt knew nothing of social media. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt know, knew nothing of Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, which seems to be the epicenter of comparison these days. I mean, if we're all being really honest this morning, how many of us don't feel just a little bit of holy envy every time we log on to social media? I mean, we see a picture of a family on summer vacation in some exotic location, and we think, well, I guess our trip to the beach wasn't all that fun. <laughs> or we, uh, we see a picture of a friend who's just been gotten remarried after being a widow for 30 years. And we wonder, why, why has love not found me Again, I mean, even if they can find love, what's wrong with me? Or a friend. Okay, we follow one another on social media, but we don't actually speak to one another in public. Anyway, a friend. 
post their acceptance letter that has just come in the mail, and we see where they actually got into school, and we think, well, maybe if I tried a little harder, I could have gotten into that school too, because I know they're not really that smart. <laughs> or we see a picture. We see a picture that a friend has posted with another friend of ours. And we think, wait a second, I didn't know those two people were friends. And they got together for dinner. I wasn't invited to dinner. Do they get together often? Wait, is that photo in front of the club? When did they get into the club? And is that a new car? I didn't know they got a new car. That car is so much nicer than my car. And we're right back to comparing who got the Air Jordans. You know, uh, data is revealing that comparison for our young people is leading to incredible psychological distress. That's especially true for our young women. According to the New England Journal for Medicine, nearly 70% of teenagers check social media multiple times a day. It's taken an especially hard toll on our young women. You see young women with persistently frequent social media use between the ages of 13 and 15, they had greater odds of decreased life satisfaction, decreased happiness, and increased anxiety later. And pay attention to this one. Cyberbullying, inadequate sleep, and insufficient physical activity accounted for nearly 60% of the association between social media use and psychological distress among young women. So where do they learn that? Where do our young women learn this behavior? Well, they learn it from us because it's not just young people, it's all Americans. Did you know that 87% of older, I mean, 87% of mature Americans <laughs> that we check into Facebook, 87% of us check into Facebook every single day. Did you know that on average in America, we pick up our smartphones, you ready for this? 52 times a day. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that if we pick up our cell phones 52 times a day, that we're probably checking in on social media multiple times a day as well. So multiple times a day. Multiple times a day, we are literally comparing our insides to other people's outsides. And it's leading, my dear friends, to very unhealthy beliefs about ourselves, about our families, and about others. And it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to compare our insides to other people's outsides. I mean, it's really, really easy for us to compare our insides other people's outsides. And between you and me, we know it doesn't stop there, does it? 
It'd be one thing if this comparison stopped when we logged out of Facebook, but you and I, just between us, we know it doesn't stop there. It happens every time we walk into a room. Every time we walk into a meeting, every time we walk up to a table of our friends. God, if I would have just worked out a little bit harder, I could have fit into that outfit this summer. You know, if I just would have taken that other job when I had a chance, I could have driven that car. You know, if I would have just bent the rules and my ethics just this much. If I would have fudged the numbers, rounded a zero here or there, we could have had the vacation house. Man, if I would have studied, I could have gotten in there too. That's how it works. Comparison always leads us down that path. It leads us to a path of thinking that we are not enough. That our current lives are not sufficient. Which is always a lie. It's always a lie. And let me uh, tell you why. In our passage this morning, it's a story that I just read. It's the story about God anointing David as the king of Israel. It's the story of a God telling Saul that I'm going to anoint a new king, and I know that he doesn't look like much, but you got to trust me. It's a story about a kid, David. He's from Bethlehem. He's from the south side. His family lives in the trailer park. He's one of 10 children. His dad happens to be a day laborer. He's a, he's a shepherd. Seems that even 2,000 years ago, people didn't have high expectation of folk who were from a day laborer family with 10 kids who lived in the trailer park on the south side of town. Not much was expected from that background or that pedigree. And it seems that David knew it. David knew it. Saul knew it. That's why God has to give Saul a pep talk. I mean, David knows his place in the world. He knows what it's like to walk into a room and compare himself and his status and his place and his worth to everybody else. David also knows that there isn't a room or a side of town that he actually feels like he can compete against. Oh, David knew all the things that he wasn't. He didn't have the education. He didn't have the zip code. He didn't have the grooming or the stature. He wasn't, he wasn't even as good looking as everybody else. And yet, our text tells us this morning that God looks upon David differently than Saul looks upon David. God looks upon David differently than even David looks upon David. The text says, for the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The world, Saul. They see one thing. 
God sees something completely different. David looks on David and sees one thing. God looks on David and God sees the king of Israel. David's story is one of the many stories in the Bible about how God takes a person who the world, who we consider to be the most unlikely of people, and works through them as a vessel for God's grace. It's a story of how God works through a person who cannot see the full measure of who God created them to be. And they come to understand their full worth in God. All right, I need you to do me a favor now. I need, it's just going to take a second. I need you, everyone in this room, to do me a favor. Just for a second, I want you to imagine that you are God, okay? For some of us, that's not going to be any problem at all, okay? <laughs> for others of us, it might take us a second. I want you to imagine that you are God this morning, got it? And I want you to imagine as God that you are looking upon you. Right? So I want you, if you were Joan this morning, I want you to imagine that you're God looking at Joan. Or I'm going to pretend that I'm God looking at Matthew this morning. What do you think God sees? When God looks at Ruth, or Linus, or Anne, or Mitchell, or Bill, do you think that God has looked upon you, has ever looked upon you and thought, well, that's just Matthew. He's not very good at this, that, or the other, and I don't know, maybe we can salvage a little bit of worth out of him one day. Do you think God has ever looked at you and thought, there's Matthew, you know, if he would have worked out a little bit harder, maybe he could have gotten into that suit. There's Matthew, you know, if he would have actually applied himself and actually studied, he could have actually gotten into that college. Oh, there's Matthew. Man, if he would have taken that job, he could have had that nicer car. You think God has ever looked at you and your life and ever thought any of that? Not a chance. Those are all the things that we think about ourselves. Those are, those are always the comparison voices that are going on in our head. What does God see? This is what I think. I think God looks at you and God thinks, there's Ruth, there's Linus, there's Ann, there's Bill, there's Mitchell, there's Mark. There they are. They are just what I had in mind when I created them. You are just who God had in mind when God created you. Yeah, even with all your quirks and all your gifts, and all your unique abilities. 
You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God created you. Yeah, you. Just the way you are. And if that's true for you this morning, if that good news is true for you, who could that not be true for? You're enough. Just the way you are. You are loved just the way you are. You belong. All parts of yourself belong just the way you are. For you are just what God had in mind when God created you. Friends, that's the full measure of joy. The full measure of joy is knowing and trusting that you are enough. The full measure of joy is knowing and trusting that you are loved. The full measure of joy is knowing and trusting that you belong to God. Because you are just what God had in mind when God created you. There's just no comparison. There's no comparison at all. Let us pray. God, you knit us together in our mother's wombs. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Send us out to live as though that were true. for ourselves, for our lives, and for the whole world. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Let's rise together in body and in spirit and say what it is that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, as we prepare to pray for ourselves and for one another, I want to remind you that we have a practice as a family of faith, that there are care letters that are located just outside of these doors under the window for those in our family of faith in need of our prayer. So please stop by and add your signature as a sign of hope to someone in need. Friends, let us pray. 
good and gracious God, we come to you today with longings in our heart. We look at our lives and we look at the world around us and we are left yearning for something more. We are left feeling incomplete. Yet with great compassion, you see us, you hear us, you embrace us and you accompany us. For you can see the world and you see inside of each of us in a way that our eyes have yet to behold. And so we ask, gracious God, for the restoration of your creation, that we might be good stewards of this earth, the water we drink, the air that fills our lungs, so that all may flourish and taste your goodness. We pray for our institutions, those systems we have created to govern, guide, and protect us from ourselves, from academia to government and to your very church, fill these places with wisdom and justice and steadfast consideration for the most vulnerable among us, so that our lives together may better reflect your kingdom. And we pray for ourselves, for the ways our bodies and our relationships seem to disappoint us these days. Strengthen our faith in the renewing of our spirit, Give us courage to seek out forgiveness and to offer it freely. And comfort us, O oh God, in only the ways you can, with a peace that surpasses all understanding. You have created us to be a people of joy. And so we give thanks for the children we baptize today for the gift of this community to reclaim what it means to be a family. We give thanks for a faith that teaches us to offer and receive your hope. And we give thanks for our Savior who embodied compassion and care for one another, for the poor. We give thanks for a church nourished by your word and sacraments, and for each new day we are given to live faithfully as healers, dreamers, prophets, teachers, and servants to one another. And with thanksgiving, let us pray in one voice the prayer you taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. There's no surprise that there is a strong connection between giving and gratitude. And that as people of faith, we are called to practice both of those things each week. To remind ourselves of the ways that God has shown up with us and for us. And to respond through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. To return to God 
what has been freely given to each one of us. Today is the final Sunday for our Every Dollar Counts offering that goes to Montree Conference Center, a sacred place of worship and Sabbath and wilderness known to so many of us in the mountains of North Carolina. The nature around Montreat offers programs for youth and young people and college students, but it's also available to each and every one of us as a place we are invited to encounter God and to be renewed on our journey of faith. So people of God, let us give this morning with open hearts our morning tithes and offerings.
Friends, let us pray. Merciful God, we offer these gifts with humility and with grateful hearts. Continue to call us to be generous with our whole lives so that the paths we walk create peace in this world. May the words we speak reflect your compassion. And may the community we live be a place where all your children thrive. For together you invite us to know the depths of your love. With grateful and hopeful hearts we pray. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I'd like to invite our families who are presenting their children for baptism forward. Good morning. with us, we have a lot of children. <laughs> Family of God, it is through this sacrament of baptism that God claims us and seals us as God's own forever. For we believe that Christ loved us first, and as you've heard it proclaimed this morning, it is God who first reaches out to us to claim us just as we are and to seal us as Christ's own. I invite all of you this morning to take this opportunity to remember this claim, remember your own baptism, that is to say, remember God's love for you in your life. On behalf of the session, I present Carter Andrew Burns, Charles Ryan Gall, Evelyn Marie Gillespie, Austin Chizaram Wagbara, and Justin Chinamaram Wagbara to be baptized. Rachel and Tyler, Mary and Brett, Rachel and Tyler, <laughs> and Justin, and, and Uzo and Juliana. Do you desire your child to be baptized? If so, please say, I do. Leaning on the gracious mercy of God, do you trust that goodness is stronger than evil, that light is stronger than darkness, that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death, and that Christ Jesus is strongest of all? If so, please say, I do. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you take the risk of faith every day seeking to embody the expansive love of Jesus Christ and all that you say and do. If so, please say, I will. Do you promise to tell your children the stories of the Christian faith, to pray for them, and to remember for yourself and your child that they belong first and always to the love of God? which we know through Jesus Christ our Lord is so, please say, I do. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Carter, Charlie, Evelyn, Austin, and Justin with love and prayer through teaching and service, encouraging them to know and follow our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? If so, please say, we do. We do. Please pray with me. 
This water is ordinary, O Lord. It came straight from the tap. But in this water, you make extraordinary promises to Carter, Charlie, Evelyn, Austin, and Justin. In this water, you promise to claim them as your own. In this water, you promise to wrap them in your love. In this water, you seal each of them with a new identity, child of the covenant. Oh God, it's always been this way with you and water. You moved over the water at creation to bring forth life. Out of the waters of the flood, you gave righteousness a new start. Through the waters of the Red Sea, you gave your people freedom. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized and anointed with your spirit. Send your spirit again over this water, we pray. Surround Carter, Charlie, Evelyn, Austin, and Justin, now with your grace. And as they receive a visible sign of it, renew all of us with a gift of new beginning and deep belonging. So with these young ones, we may go from here in joy as your beloved family. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. name shall this child be baptized. Carter Andrew, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are claimed and chosen as God's own. name shall this child be baptized. Charles Ryan, child of the covenant, baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are <laughs> claimed and known and loved by God forever. name shall this child be baptized? Evelyn Marie, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Welcome. You are claimed and known and loved by God forever. Yeah. By what name shall this child be baptized? Austin Chazarm, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son. <laughs> I know. 
and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Welcome, child of God, claimed and loved by God forever. <laughs> Hello. By what name shall this child be baptized? Justin Chinamaram, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, you are loved and claimed and chosen by God forever. Family of God, you've heard it here, all of us are entrusted to love and nurture these children. Carter Andrew Burns, <laughs> Charles Ryan Gall, Evelyn Marie Gillespie, Austin Chizar Mwagbara, and Justin Chinamara Mwagbara are now received into the Holy Catholic Church. Through baptism, God has made them members of the household of faith to share with us in the priesthood of Christ. And now it's time to welcome the newest member of this family of faith, we are all called to nurture and love them and to help them grow as disciples all the days of their lives. So please join me in, in welcoming these children by remaining seated and joining in our song of welcome. tradition here, each of these families are given a candle, and we hope that you will light these candles each year on this day to help remind your children how they are loved and known and claimed by God, and how all of us are here to love and nurture them in their faith. Family, you're invited to blow out your candles, <laughs> and you may go back to your seats for our next presentation. Thank you all. Today is a bittersweet day in the life of our community because our very first Moni pastoral resident, this is her last Sunday. You've heard me say it of Blair Moni, my predecessor here at the church. Blair was a theologian with the pastor's heart, and so it was only fitting that God in all of God's sense of humor 
sent us a theologian and a pastor's heart in Jesse Light Wells. Two years ago, uh, Jesse was a senior at Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and she was praying. She was discerning where God was going to send her. And I don't think she could have even imagined all of your faces two years ago through liturgy writing every week, through a weekly Bible study, through pastoral care, through going on mission trips, through preaching the word here at Preston Hollow, Jesse has moved far beyond resident and moved into many of our hearts as pastor. And so we give thanks to God for you, Jesse, for the thousands of moments that have led to this very place the thousands of moments that have called upon us to entrust you to our care. And so we say thank you this day. You notice uh, in your bulletin insert that there are big plans for Jesse. Jesse's going to begin a Presbyterian campus ministry, a U Kirk at SMU, beginning next week. Jesse, last night, was meeting with students at the student fair, signing them up for the campus ministry. Did you know that there is not a PCUSA campus ministry at SMU or UNT or TCU? And Jesse is going to help us as a denomination begin to reach young people and walk alongside of them in faith. And Jesse, I've said it to you a thousand times, I can't imagine a better person for God to call than Jesse. So this is what I want you to do. I'm going to need your help. Uh, if you were part of uh, Jesse's Bible study, I need you to stand. Yeah, even you, thank you. If you ever worshipped at Worship at Five, I want you to stand. I want you to stand if Jesse ever visited you in the hospital or at home or uh, shared a meal with you. I need you to stand. I want you to... Okay, finally get there. I want you to stand if you have ever spoken words aloud in this room from the bulletin in the call to worship, the prayer of confession, or the affirmation of faith. And if you're visiting today, that includes you. I pray to God you said something this morning. Jesse, these are the people that God called you to serve two years ago when you were studying in Austin, Texas. And church, church, five years ago, when you all raised the funds to be able to have a pastoral resident, this is just who God had in mind. This is a day of thanksgiving and great celebration. So this is what I want you to do. Put your hand out and put it towards Jesse, and we're going to pray for her. God, thank you so much for your call, for the gift of this community. We are so thankful for Jesse and for her, her countless gifts. We're thankful for the ways that she has walked alongside of us and loved us and challenged us and nurtured us. We are so thankful that we got to share this journey together. And God, 
We pray for the many journeys ahead, for the many places that our paths will intersect. We pray for SMU, for the students there. We pray for all of Jesse's ministry, that every person that she would encounter on that campus would know that they are loved, that they belong, and that you have created them. So be with us and guide us as we walk this journey ahead. For we do pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Friends, we are gifting Jesse. Please remain standing because we're going to sing. But we are sending Jesse out this day with a communion set because every week she's going to preside at table with students. This communion set was made by an artist in Atlanta named Laura Rust. And so we are going to send Jesse out with this. And there is a reception honoring Jesse following worship. So please remain standing and let us sing our closing hymn, Lift High the Cross.
following the benediction this morning, Jesse's going to be out in the atrium. I would invite all of our baptism families to come forward so that you can greet them. I do want to tell you to be careful. Uh, for those who say Presbyterians don't use enough water in baptism, Kathy used a lot, and there's a bunch on the floor. <laughs> so know this as you go. You're enough. You're enough. And you're loved. And you belong just the way you are because you are just what God had in mind when God created you and there's no comparison so go forth from this hour of worship to live that good news in the world and as you go may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short grace to risk something big for something good grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, many, many different ways this day and all of our days. Amen.